It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. Orchestrated global conflict. How many agendas for how many power centers are being carried out? Is a nuclear exchange going to be the final card played by the global controllers? Will they attempt to trigger a nuclear winter scenario and a last desperate act to mask the planetary meltdown and to maintain their stranglehold on power till the last possible moment? We'll find out soon enough. The global hydrocarbon fuel fiesta is in its death throes. The party's over, and it's not coming back. How much more clear could that conclusion be at this late hour? Yet so many are still tenaciously clinging to the grand facade. Power structure control corporate media is dishing up long segments of Johnny Depp's domestic saga, keeping many entertained and completely distracted. And then there are the paid circus performers, otherwise known as our elected officials, who dare not utter so much as a word about the unfolding global omnicide or the single most lethal factor in it, what is taking place in our skies, which far too few take notice of, no matter how shocking and blatant the ongoing atmospheric aerosol spraying operations are, and about the atmospheric spraying of highly toxic heavy metal and polymer climate engineering elements, all of it settles down to the surface where all of us have no choice but to inhale it. Question, is this fact connected to the skyrocketing respiratory disease and mortality that's occurring all over the world? Stay tuned for more on that subject. We are all being sprayed like insects. That's not an opinion. That's a lab test proven fact. Last week, the so-called Department of Homeland Security created their own Ministry of Truth, calling it a disinformation board. If this doesn't alarm you to the marrow, it should. This is the same Homeland Security Agency that was involved with the 2012 purchase of 2.4 billion hollow point bullets. Who do you think all that ammunition is for? That blank's not hard to fill in for those that are looking through a clear lens. Just another Groundhog Day in the planetary asylum. And shouldn't we ask ourselves, how far are those in power willing to go at this point? And while pondering that question, consider and remember this. Those in power are fully focused on the fact that the planet's failing life support systems can no longer support populations. What should we expect them to do? More to the point, what are they already doing? Who's willing to honestly answer that question? Who's willing to stand against the collective insanity? Take a moment to consider this timeless nugget of truth from Gandhi. He said it's easy to stand with the crowd. It takes courage to stand alone. Breaking bad news headlines in a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to the weekly Global Alert News Hour. Commercial free, non-political, and covering the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. This broadcast is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org. The weekly Global Alert News broadcast is now aired on numerous AM and FM stations throughout the U.S., and we hope to soon add Las Vegas, Nevada, and Phoenix, Arizona to our current list of radio broadcast partners, again in cities around the country. This is Dane Wigington, your host.
Let's press on from many sources. This, California declares historic water emergency measures amid drought. We see these headlines week after week now, month after month. From this report, it comes as the state has experienced a lack of precipitation and abnormally high temperatures in recent years. They continue, the past three years are projected to be the driest in our state's history, leading to drought conditions unlike anything we've experienced before. Scientists have determined that the extremely dry conditions over the past years are part of a longer mega drought, which persisted since 2000. Research published in February showed that the 22-year period is the driest in 1,200 years and is linked to human-caused climate change. For the record... 1998 was the hottest year ever recorded on the planet up to that point in time. There was a radical ramp-up of climate engineering operations, and the Western drought began. Summary, the climate engineers continue to control the flow of rain. Where there's drought, where there's deluge. Where there is chemical ice-nucleated cloud-seeding surface flash-freeze cool-downs. And about the climate engineer's complete control of our rain, a total alteration of long-term scheduled weather in the western U.S. seems to have occurred. What happened? What's planned now? In my location, in what is left of the forest on the east side of Lake Shasta in Northern California, we've gone from a rainless winter with temperatures often near or above 80 degrees for daytime highs and often around 60 degrees for lows to far cooler temperatures since mid-April and with some scattered precipitation. Again, this weather wasn't on the schedule at the start of April. In fact, what was scheduled was escalating heat with no rain. Again, consider and remember the climate engineers can alter the script whenever they choose. That script is done, by the way, at the top by Raytheon, a defense contractor that's neck deep in climate engineering operations and patents. Raytheon does all the modeling for the nation's weathermen, National Weather Service and NOAA. Can't they do it for themselves? No, because they wouldn't know what the script is, would they? So the script is handed down from the top all the way to our local meteorologists. And that's how these local meteorologists knows sometimes seven days in advance that it's going to be, for example, mostly sunny on a particular day. And those days, there might not be a natural cloud in the sky. This is the case in Northern California and other locations. Nothing but jet-dispersed aerosols completely hazing out our skies, looking like a science fiction film. In fact, last week in Northern California, on Wednesday was the worst. It was incredibly aggressive aerosol spraying operations. The sky looked literally like something from another planet. And how few notice this? The weather makers, at their discretion, can drought out one region while deluging another. And no, the process is absolutely not an exact science. In fact, the operations being carried out in our skies would be more correctly labeled as climate disruption operations, as opposed to engineering, a term which implies a degree of control and precision that simply is not the case with what's happening in our skies. But the end result is still the same, a radical worsening of climate chaos, which serves ever more agendas for the global controllers. On that note, this question is crushing crop production an ever larger part of the climate engineering agenda. Stay tuned. And about that agenda, here's another example of manipulating Earth's unraveling life support systems. A new U.S. patent filed only a month ago titled Artificial Rain to Support Water Flooding in Remote Oil Fields. End of patent title. Filed by a Saudi Arabian oil company. Yes, the weather makers can augment rain when and where they want, like over oil fields that 
need water for drilling purposes. But how about those Western U.S. fire incinerations? The massive U.S. military climate manipulation juggernaut never provided any relief for the burndowns, did they? U.S. military personnel are being lied to. They're being told that they are carrying out a benevolent operation in our skies, which couldn't be further from the truth. Our military brothers and sisters need to wake up to the bigger picture while it can still make a difference. We need them on our side or we have no chance to stop the unfolding planetary omnicide. About the fires, the climate engineers are yet again setting the stage for torching what is yet left of the West's dying forests. The source of ignition is another issue entirely. The controllers want the public to focus on the source of ignition, but any demented soul with a match can take care of that. It's the unprecedented drying out of forests and the alteration of atmospheric chemistry and conditions that are core to the wildfires. And this is the part that the controllers and corporate media don't want the public to consider, let alone to actually investigate. Search and view an extremely important report I've announced in this broadcast before titled Wildfires Serve Geoengineering Agenda. Only 20 minutes long, but crucially important. You won't like what you learn, but it's a need to know and understand informational report. The timber industry continues to fuel the false narrative that unprecedented wildfires are primarily being caused because not enough trees are being cut down in our forests. Consider this, in some of the most remote regions of Siberia that have never been touched by human activity of any kind, wildfires have escalated by a thousand percent, ten times worse over a decade. So to be clear, for hundreds of thousands of years, no human activity, no thinning, no logging, and no fires. Now, in the geologic blink of an eye, a single decade, wildfires go up a thousand percent. Think about that. And if you want to know why, look up. You'll find your answer if you have eyes to see with. And yes, countless forms of human activity are decimating our planet. Yes, our home is heating at blinding speed. But on that note, the laws of physics make it clear that it must rain much more overall on a rapidly warming planet. And though many regions are being deluged, many more are being droughted into a state of desertification. Climate engineering is the factor we're not being told about, for obvious reasons. The liability issues for all those involved, for governments around the globe, is incalculable. As I've stated on previous broadcasts, trees and forests are part of my background. My father was an arborist. I've personally supervised a total of six understory thinning and fire fuel removal projects in Shasta County forests, three state programs, three federal programs. And the reason this understory thinning was necessary was due to highly destructive and irresponsible logging that had removed the biggest and best trees in the forest, exposing the forest floor to sunlight while simultaneously disturbing all the soils on the forest floor with logging equipment and the result is this a total alteration of the forest floor composition a completely unnatural alteration a completely destructive alteration and though these conditions do make the remaining forest canopies much more vulnerable to forest fires the bottom line factors most fueling the forest incinerations are all connected to climate engineering and i don't have time to adequately cover this issue on every broadcast but please View previous broadcasts, or better yet, investigate the Engineering Wildfires section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Wildfire smoke is now being blamed for skyrocketing respiratory mortality rates in so many regions. But again, we must ask, what part 
are the ongoing atmospheric aerosol spraying operations playing in this equation as well? Geoengineeringwatch.org captured time-lapse film footage of blatant and shockingly aggressive atmospheric aerosol spraying operations being conducted directly on top of the Paradise Fire smoke canopy. Question, what possible purpose could this jet aircraft dispersed blanket aerosol spraying before? Why would they do this? Except something that is so nefarious that all official sources will deny it until the brutal, bitter end. On every imaginable front, every imaginable subject, we're being lied to. Those in power and their legions of morally bankrupt minions serve themselves. If you believe that those that are completely sold out and owned by the Matrix care about you, your children, the forests, the seas, or any other part of the web of life, think again. On that note, here's another climate engineering factor to consider. Electromagnetic radiation. We're all drowning in it. The transmissions being used for climate engineering operations are many times more powerful than communications transmissions. Immense harm is being done to all life. No official source will ever admit this, and corporate media will continue to do their best to cover up the danger. Few are willing to face this fact. And again, about pathogens and all of these factors, everything I'm covering is a part of the equation that involves those in power knowing the planet can no longer support populations. They're not going to let go of their power. They don't care what they have to do to retain it until the absolute last moment. Keep that in mind. So about the pathogens, they keep coming, don't they? On that note, this headline from last week, in addition to all the other pathogens popping up all over the globe, we have this. Democratic Republic of Congo declares new Ebola outbreak. How many are familiar with just how horrific Ebola is and just what its origins were? Let's press on with this theme. It seems the malaria card is being played yet again, and they're connecting that now with climate engineering. From AnthropoceneMagazine.org, this dimming the sun could expose one billion more people to malaria. That report states a new study illustrates how geoengineering doesn't just turn back the clock on climate change, which it doesn't do that either. They say it alters climate in a new and perhaps profound way. The new analysis, the first study of how geoengineering could affect infectious diseases, suggests that these approaches can have unintended consequences. Is that hard to figure out? That filling the skies with highly toxic elements that not only ubiquitously contaminate the planet and the entire web of life, but destroy the Earth's protective layers of the atmosphere, disrupts the hydrological cycle. The list is endless. Geoengineering is pounding the nails into our collective coffins from every conceivable direction. And when we know that elements like graphene are being used in the climate engineering operations, our lab tests have now proven that, dozens of those tests, graphene is used as a biological carrier. Why would we think it's not connected to so much more? than just climate engineering, which is really a form of weather warfare. Nothing less than that. Geoengineering is weather warfare. And now they're acknowledging and, in fact, conditioning populations to accept that, in this case, a billion more people may contract malaria. Setting the stage. And populations, too many in populations, seem to accept whatever happens to them so long as it was announced first. When will that change? When will that be seen for what it is? Death from a thousand cuts. Think about it. Next headline from nature.com from last week. Again, who's going to get malaria? 
That's an interesting part of the equation. Listen to this headline. Solar geoengineering, quote, could redistribute malaria risk in developing countries. Solar geoengineering is often framed as a stopgap measure to decrease the magnitude of impacts and injustice of climate change. However, this report states the benefits or costs of geoengineering for human health are largely unknown. Of course, that statement's a lie. After 75 years of covert climate engineering operations, it's clear that such operations are more correctly categorized as a form of warfare or multiple forms of warfare with catastrophic consequences. But the Nature.com report continues. Our results indicate, they say, that geoengineering strategies designed to offset warming are not guaranteed to unilaterally improve health outcomes and could produce regional trade-offs among global South countries that are often excluded from geoengineering conversations. Here's a footnote on that last statement from the report. Of course, the poor and powerless countries are excluded from the conversation. Power structures always seek to further exploit such countries, not to make them equals. Climate engineering operations are a means to that end. This Nature.com report continues with this. The main proposed approach for solar geoengineering is stratospheric aerosol injection. SAI is the acronym where the deliberate injection of small reflective aerosols into the atmosphere could increase the reflection of incoming sunlight and trap more than it deflects, by the way, back to space, cooling the planet, they say. And then they throw out this blatant lie. Quote, stratospheric aerosol injection has never been tested. Can anyone look up? Climate engineering operations are raging above our heads on an almost daily basis. Question, how dysfunctional can societies be that such a glaring reality continues to be denied by the majority? And here's more about the pathogens that keep popping up all over the globe. Quote, increased infectious disease risk likely from climate change. They say climate change will result in thousands of new viruses. I'm going to stop there because this new headline is nothing less than a form of societal conditioning, blaming it all on nature, in a sense. And don't pay any attention to the skies full of jet aircraft that are spewing out toxic aerosols, and certainly don't investigate the potential connections to biolabs all over the world. Go back to sleep. That's what the controllers want the public to do. They want us all to blindly believe that the constant parade of pathogens that keep popping up are just nature being bad to us. What a twisted deception. But about the planetary meltdown part mentioned in the former report, that is real and accelerating by the day. But not surprisingly, U.S. corporate media is trying to hang the blame on Russia. This new report from last week, study predicts thawing of gas-saturated permafrost around oil and gas wells of Russian Arctic. They state that oil and gas deposits in the Arctic region lie beneath 100 to 500 meter layers of permafrost as comparatively hot hydrocarbons rise up along the well shaft drilled in the frozen soil it heats up. The surrounding permafrost begins to thaw, compromising its ability to support structures including the well itself. Moreover, if the frozen soil is saturated with methane, which it typically is for the northern part of the western Siberian Peninsula and the Yamal Peninsulas in particular, Russia's major oil and gas companies such as Gazprom and Novatech are active there. The thawing permafrost releases methane, a very potent greenhouse gas and a fire hazard in some cases. But again, nothing mentioned about what's happening in the Arctic. U.S. drilling companies doing exactly the same thing, exactly the same results. There's more than enough blame to go around. And why do I constantly focus on the atmospheric methane issue? Because it's completely connected to every aspect of what we face, our collective future 
in so many ways is hinging on the atmospheric methane buildup. Methane is 120 times more potent than CO2 over a 10-year time horizon. There's enough methane in the Arctic alone to turn this planet into Venus. Search geoengineeringwatch.org Venus Syndrome to learn more about that. The controller agendas being carried out on countless fronts are a response to unfolding and accelerating global ecological and atmospheric collapse. Methane buildup in the atmosphere is core to the entire equation. Climate intervention operations, for many reasons, are making the atmospheric methane problem far worse overall, not better. What's the specific controller response in this case? More layers of insanity. Project Lucy and Project Alamo, both acronyms for microwaving the atmosphere with opposing frequencies in a desperate and unbelievably dangerous attempt to molecularly degrade that methane. Again, one layer of insanity on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. This is just like the pharmaceutical industrial approach to the human body. You take a certain new big pharma concoction for a specific symptom that has a list of side effects that are 50 long and then you take many more pharmaceuticals for those side effects and keep going and going until your body's so overloaded that it perishes same mentality in this case so with all this in mind with ecological collapse being incredibly advanced at this point we've lost 80 to 90 percent of earth's insect populations over 70 percent of earth's wildlife populations 60% of Earth's plankton population, 60% of Earth's tree cover. Ecosystems, the implosion of them is accelerating by the day from every front. So, how many Americans are worried at all about this? Last week from multiple sources, nearly 30% of Americans aren't worried at all about the deadly climate crisis. And certainly how many are not even conscious of what's occurring over their head, climate engineering operations. From this report, in an international survey of people's responses to the climate crisis and other pressing issues, the country with the highest percentage of people who say they're not worried about climate change at all, quote, turned out to be the United States. Is that any surprise? Anyway, nothing to worry about, right? Who cares about climate engineering, aka weather warfare? Who needs a functional environment? We have Walmarts, Costcos, and McDonald's. That's all we need. A planetary asylum. This broadcast and my mission is about trying to make clear that when the environment is no longer functional, when the planet's life support systems no longer work, it's game over, and we are unimaginably near to that destination. The human race need not fear a rogue asteroid finishing us off. We're exterminating ourselves, and we'll likely take the entire web of life down with us. And at this moment, Mathematically and statistically, the single greatest and most immediate threat we collectively face short of nuclear cataclysm is climate intervention operations, a.k.a. weather warfare. And we must consider the biological warfare aspect of that equation as well. From last week, yet another headline of it's way worse than we thought. Here it is. Humans can't endure temperatures and humidities as high as previously thought. From that report, it has been widely believed that a 35 degrees C wet bulb temperature, that's equal to 95 degrees Fahrenheit at 100% humidity or 115 degrees Fahrenheit at 50% humidity, was the maximum a human could endure before they could no longer adequately regulate their body temperature, which would potentially cause heat stroke or death over a prolonged exposure. But 
In a new Penn State science study, the researchers found that the actual maximum wet bulb temperature is far lower, about 31 degrees C wet bulb or 87 degrees Fahrenheit at 100% humidity even for young, healthy subjects. The temperature for older populations who are more vulnerable to heat is likely much lower still. For the record, there's no magic planetary thermostat that regulates the planet's temperature, no matter what we do to it. Why is so much of the U.S. population so oblivious to what's occurring globally? Because the most anomalously less warm region in the entire world for the last 10 years running is the eastern half of the contiguous lower 48 states, i.e. the most populated portion of the U.S., where the world's largest military machine carries out a constant parade of chemically engineered surface cooldowns. These temperature anomalies, these weather whiplash cooldown anomalies are not nature. They are climate engineering. But consider that the eastern half of the U.S. is far less than 1% of the Earth's surface area, hardly indicative of the entire planet. Here's an example. India has seen months of extreme heat, and this week it will only get hotter. Temperatures in the mid to upper 40s Celsius, which means temperatures over 110 and up to 120 degrees Fahrenheit, are possible. Little to no relief will come during the overnight hours. Prolonged periods of warm nights can prove deadly as they limit the body's ability to recover from daytime heat. Nighttime low temperatures are rising twice as fast as daytime highs because the heat is not escaping anymore. That's due to a buildup of greenhouse gases. Methane is a core part of that. And climate engineering, again, can lower some daytime high temperatures at the cost of worsening the overall warming and trapping heat at night as well. So all of these are factors in what's occurring on our planet and it's becoming more deadly by the day. Mass die-off is coming, not just in India. Another headline, same theme from last week. India's heat waves will only get worse, end headline. That report states the latest state of the science report from the IPCC, that's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, largest scientific panel ever assembled on any subject in human history, has stated that with high confidence, hot extremes have increased in South Asia and those climbing extreme temperatures are attributed to human-caused climate change. Again, no mention of climate engineering, of course. Liability issue is far too great. Governments around the globe cannot afford populations to wake up to what's being done to them with climate intervention operations. This report states more intense heat waves of longer durations and occurring at higher frequency are projected over India. Again, Climate engineering, core to this equation, those with the biggest military machines will keep their populations dumbed down, especially in the U.S., highly armed population that certainly won't respond well to understanding what's being done in our skies if they wake up to it. For those that are hell-bent on immediately reducing global populations, India, with over a billion people, would seem a location that the controllers would give extra focus to, wouldn't it? And yes, the human race has decimated the planet's life support systems in countless ways. But what biggest of all pieces of the puzzle is not only never mentioned, but flatly denied by all official sources and the so-called climate science community. Climate intervention operations, of course, not only trapping more overall heat than they deflect, not only destroying the ozone layer, not only fueling forest fires by completely derailing the hydrological cycle, but... In regard to the building deadly heat in India and many other regions, the relentless microwaving of the atmosphere by the weather makers is actually causing much of the overall heating and even more intense wide-scale regional heating due to 
the high pressure heat domes being used by the climate engineering operations to steer upper level wind currents and thus precipitation patterns. Translation, the geoengineers can fry any region in the world under relentless high-pressure heat domes that are induced with the global network of ionosphere heater installations like HARP in Glucona, Alaska. This technology is not scientifically disputed. It's simply not talked about, kept in the closet, and swept under the rug. Quiet weapons for silent wars. Climate engineering is the crown jewel weapon for the global controllers, a weapon with which they can bring populations of entire countries to their knees without those populations or any other global populations ever even knowing they were under assault, along with their food supplies. On that note, last week from NBCNews.com, heat wave in India threatens residents and crucial wheat harvest. From that report, some states... In India's breadbasket northern and central regions are forecast to hit highs of 120 degrees this week. A record-breaking heat wave in India exposing hundreds of millions to dangerous temperatures is damaging the country's wheat harvest, which experts say could hit countries seeking to make up imports of the food staple from conflict-ridden Ukraine. The Indian Prime Minister told U.S. President Joe Biden earlier this month that India, quote, could step in to ease the shortfall created by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The two countries account for nearly a third of all global wheat exports, and the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization has warned that the conflict could leave an additional 8 million to 13 million people undernourished by next year. India's government had predicted record wheat production levels, some 122 million tons, for 2022, but the country has just endured its hottest march since records began, according to the India Meteorological Department. And the heat wave is dragging well into harvest time. The heat wave is hitting India's main wheat-growing regions particularly hard with temperatures, again this week, set to go as high as 120 degrees in some regions. India cannot replace Russia and Ukraine with its wheat exports, mainly because of this heat shock. From flash floods to flash freezes to flash droughts, and unprecedented heat waves again and again and again, all happening at the most critical window of crop production all over the world. Just amazing coincidences or something else altogether. You decide. And there's even more heat havoc in store for India. From France24.com, garbage fire chokes Indian capital reeling from heat wave. Indian firefighting teams poured truckloads of sand and mud to douse a huge trash dump blaze after thick and putrid smoke from the inferno choked the country's unseasonably hot capital. Delhi is a sprawling megacity home to more than 20 million people, but lacks modern waste management infrastructure to process roughly 12,000 tons of solid trash it produces each and every day. The city has witnessed several bouts of scorching heat since March, and forecasters have predicted daytime temperatures could reach 46 degrees Celsius, 115 degrees Fahrenheit in Delhi. On Thursday, crop regions again reaching 120 degrees. Who could think any of this is sustainable? How can anyone look at these, at film footage of these massive, sprawling metropolises and think it's sustainable in any way, shape, or form? On a much smaller scale in human history, the same attempt to perpetually expand in a finite area has failed every single time, and now we're talking about the whole planet. 
How clear could this be? It was never sustainable. We're about to hit the wall at full velocity and those in power fueling this process and now preparing for what's coming. And to clarify, they, the controllers, are preparing their own subterranean lifeboats. Global populations are only a hindrance to them at this point. Again, consider what agendas it is logical to assume the controllers are carrying out on and against now unsustainable global populations. And while considering that equation, never forget that those in power could not do what they do. They could not carry out their agendas without the active or passive support of the very same populations that are inarguably a rapidly increasing liability to the controllers. Think about that. Moving on, another headline from last week, record first quarter deforestation in Brazilian Amazon. Loot, plunder, pillage, and pollute until nothing is left. From that report, the destruction is driven mainly by farming and land speculation in agricultural powerhouse Brazil, the world's biggest exporter of beef and soy. New figures suggest Brazil may be on track to set a new yearly deforestation record in 2022 as well. Stand back and take a long look at the wider horizon. The picture's clear. Our species is sprinting toward near-term self-annihilation. Time to wake up. Also from last week, from multiple sources, quote, now or never, new UN report sees narrow path for averting climate catastrophe. What a complete disinformation headline. We passed the point of no return about two decades ago. Now the question is, can we salvage any part of the planet's life support systems? Will anyone make it through what's coming? And I'm sorry, that's a very bitter pill to swallow. But that's the fact of the matter. And the more we continue to try to candy coat it, every single environmental film at the end says, just buy a Prius and a few solar panels and everything will be fine. That couldn't be further from the truth. We have to fully face reality or we have no chance. Back to this disinformation report. It states, for the world to have any chance of preventing catastrophic climate change, it needs an immediate collective and Herculean effort to phase out fossil fuels and rein in greenhouse gas emissions. Good luck. And even if humanity pulls it off, planetary warming is likely to at least temporarily soar past 1.5 degrees Celsius, that's 2.5 degrees Fahrenheit, above pre-industrial levels. The aspirational goal of the landmark Paris Climate Accords. The Paris Climate Accords meant nothing. Smoke and mirrors, total deception, same as the Copenhagen and Cancun climate conferences and all the rest, all simply mass deception behind closed doors. They are strong-arming nations to go along actively or passively with the climate engineering insanity and keep business as usual. And that's what those in power in the human race do. They're not about to let go of that power. And as far as the temperature, based on frontline readings, we are likely past 3.5 degrees C right now. We're past the baseline at which humans have existed on this planet right now. We simply haven't hit the repercussions from that yet fully, but we're about to. From ctvnews.ca, this, another farce headline, cut meat consumption by 75% globally to tackle climate change study states. These are from so-called scientists totally false. Is the meat industry bad for the climate? Yes. Bad for the environment? Yes. And incredibly cruel? Yes. But again, the headline states that cutting our meat consumption by 75% would, quote, tackle climate change? That's nothing more than feel-good fantasy. Even if all human activity were completely stopped at this moment, 
Climate and societal collapse is a given. It's baked into the equation. There's far too much momentum behind the damage done. You can't just shut it down. To believe that you can would be like believing it would be helpful to put on a new set of brakes after your car has careened through the guardrail and is on the way to the bottom of the cliff. Time to buckle up and brace for impact. And does this mean that there's nothing left to fight for? Absolutely not. If there's any chance, again, of salvaging any part of Earth's remaining life support systems, if there's any chance of salvaging any future for our children, we are all obligated to try till our last breath. Another headline, Columbia declares state of emergency after deadly floods and landslides. Again, one form of climate cataclysm after another all over the globe. Another headline on that front, severe dust storms and large hail in parts of the Middle East. Chemical ice nucleating elements core to the massive hail that's now falling everywhere starts a nucleation process far sooner, doing immense damage. Insurance companies don't say anything because they're getting backdoor subsidies to keep their mouth shut and keep doing business as usual. Another headline, powerful dust storm hits Myanmar. Another headline, tropical storm Jasmine to make landfall over Madagascar. Madagascar getting hammered again and again and again. And taking a wider look at the horizon, there's this recent PBS report to consider. A major Atlantic current is at a critical transition point. The report states new evidence suggests that the larger system in the Gulf Stream is part of an approaching tipping point that could cause dramatic shifts in global weather patterns. This is part of the day after tomorrow scenario, but it's much different than Hollywood would have us believe. The report states should the AMOC current weaken substantially, the AMOC current is the Atlantic meridional overturning circulation. It could bring intense cold and stronger storms to Europe, raise sea levels across the northeast coast of North America, and disrupt the flow of vital nutrients that phytoplankton and marine algae need, both of which make up the foundation of the oceanic food web. How much water currently flows in the Atlantic current? All of the rivers in the world combined would only be 1% of the Gulf Stream. Available science studies suggest that the AMOX decline may be indicative of an almost complete loss of stability. That doesn't sound too good, does it? Weakening of the AMOC could also bring less summer rainfall to South Asia. A change in monsoon systems would have severe consequences for populations living in those regions. Keep in mind, climate intervention operations have been, are, and will continue to be a core part of the overall climate catastrophe scenario and anything that any such report like this describes. Climate engineering, not mentioned, but a core part of the equation. But about the collapsing AMOC ocean current, power structure controlled Forbes.com assures us that everything will be fine and we'll all live happily ever after. Here's the recent headline report from Forbes, quote, Gulf Stream collapse will likely not cause climate catastrophe, end headline, end quote. So there you have it, nothing to worry about. So says Forbes, whose publishers are clearly tasked with feeding the population's normalcy bias and thus attempting to pacify populations until the moment of impact, a moment that now draws very near on countless fronts. More bad news breaking headlines in a moment. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the bad news broadcast, installment number 351, April 30th, 2022. This is Dane Wigington, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. The commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour is now broadcast on AM and FM stations in Northern California, Texas, Alabama, Florida, Denver, Washington, 
Washington State, Oregon, and the Northeast. Sacramento, San Diego, and San Francisco. Again, we hope to add Las Vegas and Phoenix to our list soon. Geoengineering Watch wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us expand our reach, our voice, in this desperate last hour effort to sound the alarm. In regard to sounding the alarm, please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities. The best way to share it is by circulating the direct link to The Dimming from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship. Is the Department of Homeland Security's Ministry of Truth Disinformation Board going to make it even more difficult and treacherous to share the truth? Does that question even deserve an answer? The ongoing atrocities in our skies must be exposed and halted if we're to buy any bonus time on our rapidly dying planet. Next headline from last week. Space mission to explore Venus, quote, runaway hothouse climate. Could it happen on Earth? Question mark. From that report, a greater understanding of Venus climate is of particular interest. Scientists postulate that billions of years ago, Venus was Earth-like in its atmospheric composition, but eventually transformed into an inferno through a runaway greenhouse effect triggered by the sun's energy. Again, it's not, that's deceiving. It's not just the sun's energy. It's a runaway greenhouse effect, which traps that heat on the planet. The same thing is happening here now. Climate engineering is making it far worse, not better. The report further states, when a planet's atmosphere contains high greenhouse gas concentrations, solar radiation is trapped close to the surface, as I just stated. If the planet has liquid water, then the added heat triggers evaporation. Because water vapor is itself a greenhouse gas, the elevated amounts gained through evaporation in turn trigger more heating. That's a feedback loop. Positive feedback loop. Positive doesn't mean good in this case. Which, in turn, trigger more evaporation. And on and on until the oceans are boiled into the sky, rendering a much less hospitable planet, at least for life as we know it, much less hospitable, temperatures of about 900 degrees. Most don't know or realize, all things being equal, Venus would only be about 20 degrees warmer than Earth's pre-industrial baseline temperature. That's all. It is a true sister to Earth. But Earth is on track for what happened to Venus. But it's happening here thousands of times faster than what likely happened on Venus. Thousands of times faster than any previous paleo extinction of this type on our planet. What we face is not somewhere over the horizon. It's here. Some headlines on that theme from the EUtimes.net. IMF, International Monetary Fund, now warning that food supply shortages will create waves of social unrest across the globe. From that report, the International Monetary Fund has issued a warning about the future which looks grim. If things continue as they are now, and they more than likely will, the report states global food shortages will continue. The result will be supply issues and civil unrest likely beginning in the third world and spreading from there. It's already happening. Food shortages are likely to persist for years to come. No, we're at the end of the road. It's not a bump in the road. It was the IMF, just to clarify, that used the words hell on earth in an earlier report to describe what it sees on the coming horizon. Another headline, same theme. The other oil crisis will lead to a hungrier world. Indonesia's palm plantations produce a critical supply of edible fats to large populations in India and beyond. They're no longer going to export that food commodity, adding to the starvation that's looming over planetary populations. 
from numerous sources this. Scientists record first case of harmful bacteria in ubiquitous weed found throughout U.S. Scientists at the University of Florida found food and agricultural sciences have recorded the first North American case of harmful phytoplasma disease known for its threat to fruit, vegetables, and crops in South America and the Middle East. Now it's here. Crops and food production being hammered from every imaginable direction and pathogens keep popping up all along the way, don't they? Another headline from last week. Rockefeller Foundation president starts countdown until, quote, all hell breaks loose. That's one to ponder. And this, IMF director, quote, we didn't think through the consequences of printing too much money. Really, endless money printing from thin air won't fix everything? Who could have imagined? Another headline, same theme, world supply chain could completely collapse by summer. Now let's focus on the most immediate necessity for life, the air we breathe. From CNN, U.S. Air Quality Report finds a sharp uptick in pollution with the hardest hit cities in California. The report states the U.S. saw the highest number of, quote, very unhealthy and hazardous air quality days between 2018 and 2020 than it had ever seen before, according to a report released last week by the American Lung Association. Nearly 9 million more people were exposed to deadly particle pollution spikes than in the previous year's report, and more than 137 million Americans live in counties with unhealthy air. Going to cut to a final excerpt in this report where it states, we've seen some really bad air pollution events really driven by wildfire in the West. It then states, we're seeing the impact of climate change in our air quality leading to significant adverse health, health outcomes for the American people. First, as I stated earlier in this broadcast, why is there massive aerosol spraying events on top of the fires, fires that are connected to climate engineering in the first place, and then on top of those smoke banks, we have captured with film footage massive aerosol spraying operations directly on top of that smoke bank. That can only be considered nefarious. Why are they doing that? What is the real agenda being carried out? And why is none of this being reported? Because the entire system is designed not to report any of this. We're living in a massive Truman show that's not being designed for our health and welfare, to say the least. The entire matrix, the entire air testing system is designed not to show any of the aerosol dispersions happening from jet aircraft because the particles are far too small and they're elements that are not being looked for in the first place. Again, you can't find what you're being paid not to look for. And we're all sucking this stuff up and it's having an immense effect on our health, whether we know it or not, whether we admit it or not, is beside the point. The cornucopia of allergy meds designed to disable your body's natural responses to atmospheric toxins in particular should be a giant red flag. Every other commercial's allergy this, asthma that, COPD, the list goes on and on. But stand back and consider that the stated goal of climate engineers on the record was to put 10 to 20 million tons of aluminum nanoparticles into the atmosphere annually. And that's, again, not counting all the other constituents of barium, strontium, manganese, polymer fibers, graphene, all of it with synergistic toxicities, and we're inhaling it with every breath we take. About COPD, according to the World Health Organization, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, that's COPD, is a lung disease that results in changes in several different parts of the respiratory system and lungs at the same time. And as I'm going through the next several reports, stop and consider that the largest single source of atmospheric toxic particulate pollution 
mathematically, statistically, climate intervention operations. Here's one headline report. Life-threatening lung disease, Europe's unknown killer. Another headline. EU's approach to COPD remains focused on tobacco control only, as if that's the only core cause. From the CDC, the following statement issued only a month ago in March of this year. COPD is usually caused by cigarette smoking, they say, though long-term exposure to other lung irritants like secondhand smoke can also contribute to COPD, but no mention of any other source of air pollutant. How can that be? Now consider this from ScienceDirect.com. Large underreporting of COPD as cause of death results from a population-based study. Question, why would there be such an underreporting of COPD? What are official sources hiding? I'll get to that. And in regard to incorrect reporting from medicalnewstoday.com, first the report states this, quote, around 90% of people who develop COPD smoke, they say. And then they say this in the very next paragraph, by the way, of the report. They state approximately 16 million people in the United States have COPD. 30% of these cases occur in people who don't smoke. The same is true in Europe and China. So the so-called experts in what we were told is a science report don't even seem to be able to do the most basic math. And although some official sources still claim COPD is the third leading cause of death in the world, which is bad enough, here's the underreported truth from the European Federation of Allergy and Airways Diseases and the Lancet Medical Review. Quote, COPD already ranks as the second leading cause of death worldwide. Lancet's Global Burden of Disease report has found that chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is already the second highest killer all over the world. COPD moved from the third greatest source of death worldwide to the second greatest source between 2010 and 2016. And now this, also from the report, worldwide the death toll due to COPD is increasing rapidly. And none of this takes into account what these particles do to our neurological system and our health overall. Highly toxic particles, neurotoxins, and all of it is coming through our airways. None of that reported, none of that considered. Here's another peer-reviewed science study report to add to the equation. Acute respiratory infections are the leading cause of death in children in developing countries. We must all look up. Please, please look up. Of course, global controllers are neck deep in climate engineering weather warfare operations. Of course, they're officially denying all of it. Of course, it's highly toxic and causing incalculable ecological devastation on every level. Stop and consider how much jet aircraft dispersed materials it takes to cover the entire skyline, all of which settles down to the surface, all of which we have no choice but to inhale with every breath we take. Even the bees are dying from extreme aluminum exposure. Peer-reviewed science study proves it. Search bees, aluminum, and see for yourself. The core causal factor behind Alzheimer's and dementia is aluminum. Peer-reviewed science study proves that as well. But the majority of academia and the populations that are taught and trained to believe them continue to deny the facts. Another example of shocking deception, the herringbone patterns now so commonly seen in aerosol-laced cloud formations, climate engineering cover-up sources like the Weather Channel are tasked with convincing the masses that the herringbone patterns are just topography on the ground affecting upper-level winds. This is a lie. The patterns are even more prevalent over oceans. They also tell us that herringbone patterns are, quote, gravity waves, another massive lie. The herringbone patterns are commonly seen overlapping in opposing directions. 
The herringbone patterns are the signature of powerful radio frequency microwave transmissions that are used to manipulate and scatter the electrically conductive climate engineering elements that are now ubiquitous in our skies. The strength of the transmissions being used for climate engineering is far greater than those used for communications, making such transmissions even more dangerous and damaging than communications transmissions. And while all of this is going completely unreported by power structure controlled corporate media, what are we being shown by the mainstream media ministry of propaganda. Long, drawn-out segments of the domestic disputes, again, of entertainment industry bought and paid for individuals. Total mass distraction. We're being lied to, again, on every front to a degree that can scarcely be comprehended. Atmospheric and precipitation testing conducted by geoengineeringwatch.org and countless other sources confirms that there's a plethora of highly toxic elements raining down through our breathable air column. Many of the most toxic elements are the same substances listed in climate intervention patents. Elements like aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, polymer fibers, and graphene. The amount of these elements is so extreme that it actually alters soil's pH values to an unimaginable degree. Soils testing in Northern California revealed an alteration of up to 10 times toward alkaline, from soils pH values in the 5-4 range to 6-4 and higher, based on historical USDA baseline testing. For those that don't know, a single full number jump on a pH scale is a magnitude of 10, so going from 5-4 to 6-4 means 10 times more alkaline. The primary factor appears to be the amount of aluminum in the rain. Again, lab tests proven, again and again and again. About 70 lab tests at the state certified lab in Northern California alone. We're inhaling these toxic materials as stated with every breath we take. The same materials are sterilizing soils, killing soil microbiome, killing tree roots, and ultimately us. Again, global power brokers know that the planet's life support systems are failing. Countless forms of human activity are to blame with climate intervention operations, aka weather warfare, being at the top of the list. Populations are now not only expendable for those in power, but are rather a rapidly increasing liability. Translation, for those that still cling to the belief that someone somewhere out there in government or public protection agencies is looking out for them, is genuinely concerned about their health and welfare and that of their posterity, please, please wake up while there's still time to make a difference. For decades, the controllers have been acutely aware of the impending collision between exploding human populations and the planet's radically overburdened and now failing life support systems. For decades, countless agencies have been implemented to debilitate and degrade populations. But biosphere collapse has now beat the controllers to the intersection, so to speak. Thus, the implementation of, quote, warp speed measures. Put the puzzle pieces together and the wider horizon will become clear. If the human race remains on the current course, we'll very soon reach the end of the road. Game over. So, what are we to do? Carpe diem. Seize the day. Consider this timeless teaching from Stoic philosopher Seneca. No one is more deprived than those who never face adversity, for they are not permitted to prove themselves. And this, also from Seneca... Constant misfortune brings this one blessing to whom it assails. It eventually fortifies, i.e. what doesn't kill you only makes you strong. As I have tried to point out so many times, we are not helpless and those in power are not gods. There is so much that each of us can do to move this fight forward. We need only to try. 
Yes, we're all in various circumstances, but no one is in a position to do nothing. Turning two blind eyes to injustice is itself injustice. Great strength and solace comes with summoning the courage to face the gathering storm head on. With resolving oneself to make a difference for the better in any and every way available to us. And if we try, with every fiber of our being, who can say what allies may yet join us on the battlefield? How can you help? Review the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for specific instructions on what you can do to make a difference. Time is not on our side. The great unraveling is upon us, but if we stand together, we can yet make a quantum leap in the right direction. The choice is ours. What will we do with the time we've been given? Please make your voice heard, make every day count. Until next week, stay strong. Never yield to the insanity, ever. This is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.